as the world's best teams trade blows in Qatar. Here in Ireland, the turnstiles are closed until the new season in 2023. But that hasn't stopped the League of Ireland stories from rolling in. The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the big kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Sligo Rovers unveil plans to make sure that they can compete in the Premier Division. Drawdy United have a new chairperson and Kerry are all systems go for 2023. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined as always by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. And Nathan, Drawdy United have a new chairperson and am I right, is she the first female to hold this position in the league? Yeah, that, that was in the statement, Roy, wasn't it? Yeah. That uh, Joanna Bourne's gone, it's been appointed uh, the interim chairperson. That's said to be made uh, an official role. She'd be the official chairperson come uh, in AGM in the new year. I think she could be, Roy. Could she be, mate? If we're wrong, I know people are going to get onto my cases anyway, but off the top of our head, we only sort of got this news coming, filtering into us not long before we were recording, so. Uh, didn't really get a chance to do our due diligence on this one but I think she could be uh, in fairness to Joanna I said to you uh, off air with the connection we're heading the game Joanna Bourne was very kind she, she was the one that um, that allowed us uh, to, to, to rename the ground heading the game park so obviously a nice connection and the, while I wouldn't know Joanna personally it's by all accounts she's an absolute draw of the fan true and true I believe there's a family connection here, Roy, isn't there? We were saying as well, our grandfather used to be uh, chairman of the club That's too. Right. So it's, def- it's definitely in our DNA. And I think we've just got off a little bit top of our acceptance with, with Jotty United, I suppose, coming into next year. So it's going to be a big off-season for them, Roy, isn't it? And this is, this, you'd assume this is going to be the start of the big news that's going to be rolling out because... Well, it was said at the end up- of last season, Nathan, Drogheda themselves said it, and, and Conor Howie said it, that they can't afford now to be just that part-time Drogheda team. They have to now look at, at going full-time and building, yeah. uh, like like other clubs like Sligo, who we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? In a strange way, mate, they're probably a little bit happy that used to be a state uh, within the, the Premier Division because if Waterford came up, Jordan United would have been the only part-time team and that would have been a massive struggle by them, I think, to even to, to, to keep the Premier Division status. We now we have UCD there. I know it's very early days for making predictions, but you'd imagine UCD will be at the foot of the table for most of next year. It's going to be another major struggle for them. So for the United you know, to have another part-time team in to compete with, even if they were to slip into that uh, promotion relegation slot, if they, they could name it in, in the Premier Division itself. But yeah, it, it's going to be an absolutely huge one. And even for the manager, Kevin Doherty, that's done a brilliant job since since going in. Well, since he was with Tim Clancy, but since taking the, the managerial hot seat. With the lack of investors, and it's been so up in the year, and we've heard about false dawns in terms of investment with Drotty United. Like Kevin doesn't even know what he's working with, like budget-wise. So for him, it must be a dilemma to, you know, when you're looking to source players and to improve your squad, but you, you don't really know what you're working with. It's definitely something that's going to have to be sorted out really, really quickly because you know yourself, please, Christmas is going to come quickly. The lads are going to be back in the pre-season the fourth week of January, so... All this stuff is going to have to be sorted out really, really soon. Absolutely. Um, it, it's great. Uh, Connor Howie's not leaving the club. 
No, I think that's a good one as well. Roy Connor's done a brilliant job uh, over the four years that he, he was a uh, chairperson. We talk a lot about community initiatives, don't we? Like you said, we're going to talk about Sligo Rovers, probably one of the best in, in the country at the owner. We're going to talk about Cork City later as well, another fantastic community-based uh, club. And Drott have really fallen into that uh, under Connor's, um, I suppose, leadership that he's been a chairperson and really linking up within the community and making them bond stronger because it, ultimately that's going, that has to be the bread and butter and of these clubs. So it's nice to see that he will be sticking around and that the club is being operated by genuine draw of the people, people from the town, people that are fans of the club because all you have to do, Roy, you only have to look a couple of minutes up the road and see the, the mess that Dundalk got themselves in when they were surrounding themselves with the, the American ownerships and also with Dundalk the improvements that they've also made with getting people that actually love the club and, and have the, the best interests of the club in the core and in their hearts. So they have the likes of Joanna Bourne and Conor Howey uh, surrounded by Drottie United. That could, could only be a, a positive going forward. So, yeah, look, they, they do need an investor to come in sooner rather than later, but good people in the club, right? Here's a question for you. Is there room for two teams from that area? Drogheda United and Dundalk a little bit like Cork and is there room for Cove and Cork down there or should there be a focus on maybe one club for the area I know you like that Roy don't you we've talked about this a lot in terms of uh, looking up like not taking the GAA model but I know what you're getting like would you sort of make a club and brand it as Loud FC for example or something like that I think it would work for certain clubs I, I, I think Drogheda and Dundalk are big enough town population-wise and accessibility-wise that they walk on their own. I know Drogheda and the both have had financial issues within in the past, but I think when they're well ran and organised, and they both seem to be heading in, in, a, in a better direction these days. Um, I think if, if we're like we, we singled out, remember Bray Wanderers at the start of the season, Roy, when there was a merger with Evan Cavantili, which turned out to be an absolute disaster. I was sort of canvassing for, well, maybe could you brand it as a Wicklow FC sort of a deal, just because Bray Wanderers as a club, as, as a whole, wasn't really known for the, the support and number that coming through the torn sides and droves, where I think with Drotted and Dundalk, they're big enough to be able to sustain themselves, uh, rather than not merging together, but ra- rather than just having one football club within Loud itself. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's f- fair enough. I mean, th- Dundalk do have decent enough crowds and, and draw how to do too. But I'm, you're looking at the league and you're looking, can we... There was a big debate on, on Facebook and then people sort of looking at the rugby and comparing it to football in Ireland. And one of my... I've seen you got, I've seen you got into a bit of a, a couple of little teasers, didn't yeah, you? Well, I, I, <laughs> I, as I said, you can't compare, you can't compare it unless it's like for like. And we would have to scrap the whole League of Ireland and just have four clubs, four, you know, sort of provincial clubs or whatever like that, and then go into a, you know, a bigger league with, you know, exactly the way it is over. So it's not like for like, but if you want the clubs to get bigger, are clubs that have a thousand to three thousand people maximum going to their games, is that is that enough to build the league should we be looking elsewhere and 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 bigger? It's I suppose it's it's obviously a lot of it does come down to people coming to the tone styles, and we'll actually another little plug past something about later. We talk about Kerry FC, and that's going to be the issue with them as well, Roy, isn't it? Is what like you know, can they entice people in? You know, it's obviously a very GAA heavy 
county. So, you know, can they, they sort of split the difference and, and get the interest in football as well? And it's actually funny enough, uh, I think the two of us just went full album mode, didn't we, over, over the weekend? I was giving out to someone on Facebook as well. <laughs> they were talking about the uh, the Australia team. They were obviously playing in the World Cup, beaten by fans, but they got themselves on that massive stage. And how, you know, that there's a good number of, of players playing, still playing their football over in Australia, but they're, they're consistently getting into the... Um, into the Australia squad and how that's not happening for Irish players getting in you know, playing the league board and getting into the Irish squad and how that you know we're competing out in Ireland with the GAA and the Holland where Australia is competing with you know the the Aussie rules whatever you call that mental league sport and rugby itself is of the huge in Australia but comparing them to it was absolutely ridiculous like you, you, you take in the population difference between ourselves and Australia and even the size of the countries you can't really compare the two of them Um. But yeah, obviously going back to the League of Ireland, getting away from the little tangent I'm on at the minute, it's um, like getting the figures through the turnstile is a massive advantage. But again, we talked about the whole community-based team. It's enticing not only support to the turnstile, but enticing sponsorship deals, which is going to absolutely massive improve television deals, which we know is absolutely dead in the water here in this country at the moment. Trying to get a League of Ireland game to be consistently played on like RTE, uh, with the media, be it's difficult with contracts and things like that. But yeah, I think the, the, even away from getting through to the Thornsides, Roy, it's improving these sponsorship deals and television deals, which would be absolutely massive to making clubs more feasible rather than just fully focusing on the numbers they get through the Thornsides. Okay, we'll leave that one there. And um, we're going to talk about Cork City because. L- it looks like there could be a takeover down there. But we're going to talk about Sligo Rovers first. And they announced this morning that there was going to be a stadium redevelopment. There was plans put together to kind of help them in the Premier Division, help them compete because they don't feel that they're competing. Tell us a little bit about that, Nathan. Yeah, some good news coming out, right? Um, it's it, it officially announced, as you said this morning, on the Sligo Rovers social media pages that they've uh, lodged a planning uh, application to Sligo County Council for the fourth phase of what they're calling their master plan, which we've seen. I remember last year we were talking about what they're going to do in terms of their academy facilities and their training facilities. Now, the fourth part of this master plan is uh, I can't get the Oasis on in my head now since I've just had to say a master plan twice <laughs> over and over. So the fourth, the fourth phase of this plan is going to be the redevelopment of the showgrounds and to try and bring it up to a UEFA category three status. So what this entails is the, the showgrounds will become an all-seater stadium, which will be uh, just over 6,000 capacity. Uh, there'll be a new stand put into the Churchill Road entrance for anybody that will visits uh, the showgrounds that's the right as you walk in through the home entrance that's where this new stand will be uh, they're going to add a roof to the current stand behind the goal now to make it an all-seater all-enclosed stadium uh, new main stand is going to go in that's going to be upgraded and improved and there's going to be alterations made to the away end in terms of the television gantry and there's going to be additional toilets and porn styles put in to air uh, for away supporters other things uh, as you would expect, Roy, they're going to upgrade the car park and they're going to also upgrade the, the playing surface itself. So, yeah, look, really, absolutely brilliant to see. Great news to come in. We've talked about it quite a lot this year. It felt like it's been one of the, the, the bigger topics, hasn't it? Talking about redevelopment and, and, and stadiums and things like that. But and that's it, Nathan. But does, like we, we've been talking about this all year. 
like, what's the chances of this actually happening? Because we've got a lot of people or, or teams and clubs who are putting these plans together. Um, it's easy to put the plans together, but it's a little bit harder to put to put the, the plan, um, I suppose, put the stadium together and, and, and have yeah. it ready within a certain timeline. Yeah, so even on engagement today, right, um, Sligo recently announced that for the fourth time, I think, since 2000, was it 2005, I think it was, they opened their season ticket prices. And there's other people not happy that their season ticket prices are going up. But that things like this have to be done to accommodate this and to, to bring these, you know, this, this so-called master plan. What's the season ticket it? price down in Sligo, Nathan? I could not tell you off the top of my head. Let me do a little bit of googling while I'm walking what, away. What's it in Pats? Uh, what is it in Pats? Oh, you know what? I'm at the ground completely blank on every season ticket price. You know, you'd know you get them off the touts, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd know I get it with the <laughs> media pass. <laughs> Just put the high vis on and sneak in. <laughs> right, well, you, but, can, uh, you, you can come back to me when you find out about that. But yeah, so, I like, I mean, I, I can't, I can't think that's too high. I can't think that even, even the new price is going to be too high. And if you're in the Sligo region, I'm guessing that the benefits you're going to get from even a slight increase, even if it's a, a little bit more than you would like, the benefits you're going to get from it is absolutely huge. Yeah, of course. And not only Sligo, uh, like I said, not just Sligo Rovers as a club, Sligo as a town, but Sligo as a county as a whole. And the, the improvements that have been to football in the West of Ireland too. It's, if you look, you know, we, we talked with Sligo Rovers and this plan coming together. Finally, looks like the Finn Harp Stadium is going to get off the ground, and that again, that's not only going to benefit Finn Harp, that's going to benefit all sports underage and senior in Donegal. We're looking at improvements as well with training facility in Galway too. So, if you have three, these three improved hubs in the west and the northwest of Ireland, it's going to be excellent, and it's going to make a clearer pathway for underage for underage, whether it be uh, boys or girls, coming through. The, because they're going to have approved facilities. You don't yeah, even and have the, the to, interest. to leave home. Just the interest yeah, to play football. Too. You know, yeah. even to go out and go, Gee, no, I could play in that stadium one day. You know, I've been playing for this team for ages and there's, there's, here's the pathway through and I could definitely go and, and play in that. I'd love to play in that stadium. I'd love to. And if they have good nights up there and good atmosphere, that's kind of what tumbles it along and, and you get more and more people interested in playing the sport. So, you know, we said it before, build the facilities and, and everything else will, will come around it. Yeah, no, definitely. So here we are, right? I finally got it. Uh, an adult season ticket now in Slugger Rovers is 260, 260 euro. Okay, that's, adult that's all right, isn't it? Yeah, and like, and, uh, I thought St. Pat's was 260 as well, but I'm glad I didn't say it was because for the main stand, it's 280, but that does fluctuate. It gets cheaper if you want to go to the Camac side and things like that. So for yeah. our main stand, Season ticket with passes two eighty, so they're in pretty similar ballparks. But look, if like that is one of the downsides of being a, a club like Sligo Rovers, where it's it's fan ran, it's it's in obviously in the hands of the fans. The fans have the best heart, interest of the club at heart. But when it comes to projects like this, they're relying on fundraising efforts and they're relying on you know probably hiking up the, the prices of season tickets that little bit much too. So if you I suppose you can't have your cake and eat it too. But if you want to see improvement come to the club, whether it be for training facilities, playing facilities, or the stadium itself, these sacrifices do have to be made. And so, and I think there's 36 games in the league. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're right. So that's about just under seven euro a game 
that you're getting your ticket. Well, no, you're not. Sorry, that's the wrong. 14 euro a game that you're getting your tickets for because obviously half them are going to be in the league. Um, I wonder, does that include cup games and stuff like that? I mean, 14 quid is... No, it never, never does. Never, never does. does. It, never does. Uh, it's the same ticket just, just for the, the home uh, league game. But okay. uh, yeah, it doesn't... So 14 euro isn't... 14 game. euro is not extortionate. No, it's not considering that your average ticket for like for the like adult anyway is fifteen to twenty euro. So it's not really no. No, so you're just you're just paying in advance and if you don't turn up, at least you know that that money's going into the club that you love and that you want to see progress. So um I I don't I'm not I don't think people should be kicking up about it. I think that's that's uh no. it's it's fair play. Okay, so they're they're gonna redevelop that. That that's gonna look well. We look for facilities to be improved to make the experience of the match day a better thing. So Sligo Rovers are doing that along with loads of other clubs around the, the league, which is absolutely brilliant. And this is what's going to develop the league. Um Cork City have a fairly decent stadium, although I do sometimes think about Manchester United's Old Trafford and Cork City and go, mm, I wonder if Cork City down there needs a little bit of a touch up, uh Turner's Cross. But anyhow, that's for another day. But they may be taken over, and maybe that's one of the questions that might be asked. I never thought I'd hear Tone of Course and Old Trafford be compared, but I do, I do get the <laughs> You I get do what get I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. I do saying. get the sentiment. <laughs> yeah. One, one's probably the crown jewel of of, of, uh, of the country now. Yeah. The, the old girl probably ain't what she used to be. Uh, yeah. Look, we talked about with Cork City Takeover, uh, with Grover more limited. I'm going to get into them now in a second, but. A new party, Roy, a new candidate, uh, uh, stepped up uh, in the name of Dermot Usher, who's a Kildare-based uh, businessman. He said to complete a takeover of Cork City. Uh, I believe that a provisional bid has been accepted, but that will need to be approved um, at a special general meeting that's going to take place on December the 4th, so coming up soon enough. That'll have to be approved by Forrest, who are the, 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 the fan, fan group that currently own uh, Cork City. So I suppose look a little bit about Dermot Usher himself. It's always nice to get a background on these characters coming in. Uh, his company, Sonas Batrooms, previously have sponsored Grey Wanderers. He's also been linked with investments with the likes of Dundalk, Waterford and Shelbourne. So somebody that's, you know, that, that, that's had his, his eye, a keen eye on the league and has been looking at uh, the right project to come up. So he's definitely been keen and interested in investments uh, in the past. So... I was looking at some of the plans that, that were being put together and that were being talked about uh, as part of this takeover, Roy. And look, I'll try and throw them out to you, get your opinion on them as well. I think on paper they're really positive. I know we've talked about this before and you always have to have a little bit of pinch of salt with, with new lads or new businesses or whatever it may be, investing in these clubs. But yeah, look, we'll just run through some of the plans really quickly. Uh, it'll be to invest in the women's side of Cork City um, to employ a full-time director of football to employ a full-time uh, marketing executive within the club, to work with the Munster Football Association on... It, 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 actually, you will enjoy this one. Work with the uh, Munster Football Association on the development of Tone of Cross. So there you go. asking you shall receive, mm-hmm. right? And uh, to commit the, uh, to the end of any gambling sponsors that are related uh, to the club. So this coming in, Dermot Usher will obviously take full control of the club but he still wants to to undertake regular meetings and engagements with forwards and he will also live with um, a sum of money so that the support of trust can contri- continue and that you know the, the club is, still has a support of trust behind them that they suppose that can be the guardians of the club if, if you know we want to put it that way but like I said for me it's, it's, it's uh, someone that's had an active interest of the league within the past 
he's laid out with clear plans, clear achievable plans as well. He's also mentioned that you know, down the line, European aspirations that were going to come into play, which it's great to have that ambition if you're a Cork City fan too. But the fact that uh, the forwards will still be involved within the club, they're not just being pushed out of the picture completely. All positive signs for me. I don't know what you think about it. I think that there are certain boxes that you may believe that need to be ticked. I think he has looked at those and said, listen, if I tick these boxes, I'd be looked favourably. So he's talking about the women's football. He's talking about Turner's Cross. Um, I suppose he's talking about the supporters and looking after them. So he's going around and he's looking after everyone. And that's a good start. to do. I suppose it's a good thing to do at start because you're, you're keeping everyone happy and, and on board and, and looking forward to it. What can he give? That's the question. What what can he give to a football club? What's what knowledge has he got there? I know he has. It's all about the business side of things, really. When when it comes to them, so you know, yeah, get a, a director of football. But what's the purpose of director of football? What are you looking to do? Are you, are you looking to have, uh, you know, the best academy in in Munster, and you're going to drag in players left, right, and centre, and you're going to bring them through a bit, bit like I suppose Shamrock Rovers are doing, and then maybe sell them on. And we'll be talking about Andy Lyons now in a second. So what is it that he's actually planning to do? We probably don't quite know. Sometimes you can talk, uh, but we'd like to know more details about what's going to happen. Is there going to be uh, training facilities that are going to compete with the bigger clubs now? Because that's what everyone's starting to do. You will see that now. and It's going to happen with the likes of Waterford United. And and you can see it's happening with Shamrock Rovers. And you know uh, all these other places like Galway are going to make huge strides in that. And Cork City are going to have to compete with that. And Galway United aren't even in the... In, you know what I mean so they're not even up there yet so they're yeah. going to have to compete with that so uh, that's where it'll come into its own it's all very good I mean I hear Leinster Senior League teams talking about having directors of football here there and everywhere and it's just one fella stuck in after another and yeah. nothing ever happens and they're all getting paid money for you know for nothing really so uh, it'll be interesting to see you know what actually is going to come of this um, I think it's a positive thing, though. I do. I think it's a positive it move. It, doesn't it? it does. It's like, like you said, we, we, we have to obviously. We, we talked about like the monster neighbours there, Waterford. We've, we've seen false dawns with that club as well. When you have a, a, an owner, well, like Richard Forrest came in. Jesus, the, the, the stuff he was spouting out. You thought, God, this guy's going to have the real, the, the, the best interest of the club at his heart, but it didn't work out the way everybody expected. So. No, but that's yeah, what I'm saying. So, so there needs to be substance behind it, and we, and there needs to be proof behind it that that there's that, that there's plans there uh, that we can see over the next six months. That you know, Turner's Cross show us the plans for Turner's Cross. Show us what you want to do with Turner's Cross. Move that along. Is there is there something about training facilities? Um, show us. Uh, what you're going to do with the women's football. So, yes, he said the right things, but now over the next six months to a year, start showing us what you're going to do with this. So that's what's going to be I, interesting. I think even, Roy, it'll be interesting to see what notes come out with this, uh, this, this special uh, general meeting on, on the 4th of December. Yeah. Because obviously we're going to have more updated plans and more uh, in-depth plans probably rather than updated. Like I said, going into the actual nitty-gritty of not just throwing out, uh, I'm going to invest into the women's team. Okay, but what's the end goal? Yeah. Or like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in direct with football. Okay, but what's what's gonna be the main aim here? Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, the the, the charms obviously worked because apparently the board are really interested in getting this uh, takeover over the line, and it's very likely going to happen. 
that they're not even going to consider any of the additional approaches. We talked about Gold Mall Limited at the start of this piece here. Uh, they had a call, uh, held a call option to buy the club. Uh, the reason is that they declined not to do so. Obviously, this, this deal does go through. They lose that entitlement. Um, and as you said, Darren Moshe will take full control of Cork City. But yeah, I, I think if just by the early words of what he's saying, obviously, words they don't hold much weight. We're going to have to see action. We're going to have to see, as you said, in their plans and um, even adding on the plans that he's already said, there's, there's more stuff that's going to have to go on behind the scenes. Like you, you mentioned the training facility, that's something that hasn't really been mentioned. That's something that's going to have to be brought up because that's our bread and butter really, isn't it? If we're going to do all this work on I think younger they, age league, yeah, we're I going think, to need a pathway to bring them through. I think it's going to be, listen, okay, that's talking the talk. Now show us how you're going to walk the walk. So I think we're both in agreement there that we're, we're, we're highly interested and positive about it. But, as, with a League of Ireland cap on there's big question marks over anyone who comes in because there has been so many as you said so many false dons okay we move on because there's <laughs> another club Bray Wanderers who who have um, yeah they've been interesting let's just say this season they have a new head coach don't they? They do have a head, new head coach Roy and it's, uh, it's a massive appointment for them it's a surprising appointment uh, Ian Ryan has been announced as Bray Wanderers' new head coach on a two-year deal. Um, sir, look, probably now's not the time to really get to, to open up the package of what was Bray Wanderers this season, but there's serious work that needs to be done in that club. Behind the scenes, on the field and off the field, but this, for me, this is, this is an absolutely excellent appointment. And the fact that you're looking at, you know, this is Ian Ryan that toned down the Waterford job when Ian Morris left. He wanted to commit himself to Westford. He was a um, serious, serious contender for the Bohemian job, but that overdrawn process seemed, seemed to make him dip out. So the fact that he's been linked with two full-time jobs and now he's have to accept him this part-time role um, replacing uh, Pat Devlin, who is still going to be within the club. And do we know it is a part-time role, yeah? Well, very wonderful. It would be a part-time club. So to, to, to see the fact that he turned down, you know, like a full-time structure, in Waterford and uh, Bohemian, I thought it was quite strange. That would make me think. Nathan, that would make me think that if he turned down full time jobs, that maybe this is a full time job. Maybe it, maybe the club has been, but sometimes you know you have players who are part time, but the manager is full time. So I, I'd be I'd be curious no, on I'd, that. I'd, one. Say, I'd say it's a full I'd say it's a full time job. That's not what I mean. I mean in terms of the full time contracts that the players are going to be getting. No, okay. I'd say it is. It, 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 it's a full time role. Just, you know yourself, the, the, the benefits that being in a full-time club can have, yeah, like I said, yeah. the contract with the amount of time training and things like that, more, more so of that aspect of it. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I was really surprised to see him go into it, just considering how much of a mess he's been at the Carlisle ground this season. But again, now that we had, we had the, 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 the current regime at Bray Wanderers coming out and we've seen an article uh, just before the end of the season talking about what they need to do. Now we need to improve the Carlow grounds. We need to improve our communication, our social media aspect and things like that. Similar to what we just said about the Usher, it's all words that are being spilled out, but we're going to have to see action because, yeah, it, it, it was sad to see Bray Wanderers fall to such a state that he was this season. I know they didn't finish bottom of the table or anything like that, Roy, but this is a side that, you know, it's, it's they've been consistently thereabouts with the Premier Division and they're always a really competitive side normally for themselves in the playoffs when they are in the fourth division but yeah just had a real soft underbelly about this season so 
Looks like Ian Ryan coming in. Uh, I think the same today. They brought in Chris Lyons, a very good striker from Drottery United, a, a, a local uh, man for Bray. So, yeah, it's an early positive step, but he definitely have a long way to go. Um, but best look to him because I do highly rate him. I really, really do. I thought he would have been a great man to go in for the Bohemians job. So, best look to him uh, in the new role. Absolutely. Now, we'll go on and talk about Kerry because Kerry is the big buzz of will oh, yeah. be the big buzz of 2023 but we're just going to go on to the PFII winners um, and I suppose the, the candidates who are there as well that was recently Nathan who took what? Yeah so the, the ceremony took place on the 19th of November we'll just run through the, the, the quick uh, the, the winners of the night uh, the player of the year Rory Gaffney went to uh, Shamrock Rovers any, any time you want to jump in Roy, walk away if you have any thoughts or anything yeah, go ahead. Um, probably got, there's probably not much reason to say about Gaffney, is there? No. Yeah, I thought he deserved it. Same with Young Player of the Year, another Shamrock Rovers player, Andy Lyons. Uh, fourth Division Player of the Year, once again, Phoenix Patterson, kind of much complaints there. Uh, Premier Division Manager of the Year went to Stephen Bradley, and the Fourth Division Manager of the Year went to Colin Healy. I'm going to stop there for a quick second, Roy. Colin Healy, Fourth Division Manager of the Year. You could say he's done a similar job to what Stephen Bradley's done at Rovers. He took over when they were on their knees. There was, there was made a problem, doubts about their, their future of even surviving. Finished sixth, I think, in his first year of um, of the fourth division, and now we've got them promoted as champions. Even without that, a lot of people call for Tommy uh, Tommy Barrett, the Treaty United manager, to have won the award. What, what do you think on them two? Do you think Colin was the right man for the award on the night? I think t- Tommy has a fair show for that award I'm as you know already I'm not a fan of these kind of things I think yeah uh, I know yeah I'm not a fan of them at all but listen Colin Healy has done we weren't predicting Cork to go and trump the league this year were we really and he's kind of changed a lot down there too and and they were good this year and it's it's going to be a very interesting Cork side next year listen he, he's gone from no expectation now all of a sudden to an expectation that the club is going to be taken over and, and possibly push on to greater things where you wouldn't have seen that last year you're kind of going geez, if there was a third division would they be would it be even in in the, in the second division you know so I think he's done a brilliant job Tommy Barrett has been brilliant so I, we can, I think everyone can agree that he's done an absolutely amazing job over two years. Treaty United will be looking at how they can sort of progress because in the league now you have professional teams and Treaty are going to have to look at a plan to try and push themselves on. They've had a fantastic start, but how now do they push their, their club onwards? Are they happy sitting there for another couple of years and, and, and just taking it all in so it's a really interesting one but for me Colin Healy and maybe even for me if you had to go for who should win the overall between Stephen Bradley and Colin Healy I'd probably say Colin Healy as well that's a good show to make bold show to make everybody get onto Roy Shanahan on Twitter and tell him he's gone and that (laughs) Uh, we'll push on with these I know you want to finish up the awards you you hate the sort of stuff so I'll just power through the last couple that we have here mate um, the Women's Senior International Player of the Year went to Courtney Brosman, who's doing excellent work at Everton, uh, brilliant to see. The Overseas Player of the Year went to Nathan Collins, currently uh, at Wolverhampton. Um, the Premier Division Referee of the Year went to Neil Doyle, and the Fourth Division Referee of the Year went to Kevin O'Sullivan. 
And to finish up, Roy, we had a special emerit award that went to Ollie Cattle. Also, we've seen over the past couple of weeks, the PFUI have announced they're, they're both a team of the years for the Premier Division and the Fourth Division. But don't worry about that because the big kickoffs also announced their uh, Premier Division and Fourth Division team of the years. You can get them on the big kickoff on our, on our football website. Um, I'm sure that's the one everybody has been waiting on anyway. So, that's yeah, it. there you go. Well, we'll, we'll finish the awards for another year. You, you, you can now guess that year. <laughs> okay, well, that's the next year we'll talk about because we're, we're looking forward to that already. <laughs> and Kerry are in. They are, absolutely. The news that we've all been waiting on, we, we've been sort of drift-fed with updates, haven't we, over the past, uh, the, the past couple of months. Really exciting when we've seen that they announced our interest and they announced that they were going to, do, to be applying for a fourth division license. But thankfully, it's now been announced that they've received the fourth division license for the 2023 season after a successful application. There was never a um, doubt, Nathan, was there? I don't think so, no. They, they seem to have everything in place, didn't they? You know, they see Mount Hawk Park, all the, the work been constantly done to that to get up to fourth division standards. You listen to any even interview that, like, like Billy Denny, he has done Stephen Conway, Brian Ainscoff have all been very vocal and public about the route that they want to go down and how they're going to, to, to make themselves feasible and sustainable. Actually, when this news broke the day after, they held a press conference and someone else interested in nuggets to come out of that was that um, they're going to be amateur to begin with. So it's going to have a real emphasis on fostering young local talent, which look, we know that's not going to do much for their league standings, but it doesn't seem to be what they're about in the, in the early couple of years. They're also going to take an approach and utilise the relationships that they have with, uh, with uh, access to the US scholarship because they have, they have the back end in terms of Americans in the background that are going to be uh, backing them financially. So US scholarships will be in place. They'll also have a partnership with uh, the Munster University too. So again, bringing that balance of education and, and, and playing regular senior football it, it can only benefit uh, player, young players going forward we've seen a walk at UCD there's other clubs around the country that, that have connections with uh, with universities and, and they can provide them scholarship programmes it all sounds really really good uh, but just to have Kerry City and more diversity in in the league as a whole it's something we've been calling for and asking for not only ourselves Roy but you know most people that uh, if you want to call yourself a League of Ireland fan, watch yourself. You, you want to see the, these clubs pop up around the country. Yeah. And actually, an interesting tip about the 2023 Fourth Division, Roy, there's going to be, I don't remember the last time this probably had to happen, there's going to be 10 teams in the Fourth Division next year, and all 10 of them are going to represent a different county. Well, so that's there's, there's, a, there's a bit of diversity that you want within the league. Absolutely. And it's excellent to see, and I don't think, look to everybody at I don't think there's one now I'm sure someone will come in and say me but I don't think there's one League of Ireland fan who's not happy about another team coming in that's a, a, a new area that's going to sort of spark up the interest of football in that area we, we're missing out on the likes of Monaghan as you said before Uncle Kenny and all that sort of stuff but Kerry is somewhere that I, I'm really excited to see what they can do down there now listen their pitch looks astro to me Anything I've seen is Astro. Do we know if it's going to stay that way? I'm not sure, Roy. Yeah, I'm the same as you. Just going off, looking at photographs now on the screen here in front of me. It does look that way. Um, I really hope not. It looks I mean, like I, I, it looks I'm, like I'm, a terrible yeah, Astro. I'm, in all fairness, so unless they're going to resurface it or something, maybe maybe it's just the pictures. But I would really, I'm, I'm not messing with you. I know on the west of Ireland, it's 
the weather is dire. You get rain yeah. more than we get over on this side. So, but I just don't like Astro pitches, you know. And I can understand no. why Derry City have it as well. They get bashed up there as well. I still don't like them. I'd rather have you had the grass pitch and what have you. But if it's going to be and has to be, it needs to be the best that is out there and no less than that. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's an interest when you hear even professional footballers talking to the, a lot of them say they hate playing on national pitches in terms of picking up injuries and things like that. Mm. I know there's word going around that Derry City are looking at uh, converting back to grass or even going, you know, the, the new 50-50 between Astro and grass as well. So, yeah, like, look, like I said, from someone that lives in Sligo, I know the weather, especially out west, the wet west gets the, the, that called that for a reason. But, yeah, if you can do it and you, you can make it into a, a functional playing surface, I think you have to go grass all the way. What's but, Sligo's look, pitch like generally? Does it get battered? Poor, really poor. Yeah, it'll, you'll see, you'll start off every season and it'll be in a really, really bad shape. Like, terribly bad. And it'll only sort of come together towards the end of the season. So it seems to be a constant battle. And it's not only Sligo, Finn Harf's pitch has come in, into question as well. We even think we even had a fan question, Roy, didn't we, at the start of the year, asking that should he be made to go to Astro in certain regions of the country that that announced that bad weather. But yeah, it does seem to be a really constant battle. You'll get supporters down here that that's not too bad, but look, it is. If you're going to throw a neutral eye on it. And I'd say the same with my own club pitch, like the Richmond Park has, it's in great, the pitch is in great condition these days, but there's definitely been times when it's, it's lacking in that department and you do have to call it out because we know don't we that the facilities are bad enough as it is without trying to paper over yeah. oh, the pitch isn't too bad like it has to be to a certain standard but look I'm sure Kerry FC will, will get all the, the, the ducks in the row in that department and it's just great to see them in, in the League of Ireland as a whole and to see uh, professional football or, or, or League of Ireland football come to Kerry can't wait to, to see how they get on Absolutely. Right, listen, Nathan, we're going to leave it there. Um, I'm I'm sure there's going to be more stuff popping its head up League of Ireland stories because there's so much going on in the background, teams trying to get together, trying to get players in. And of course, now everyone's trying to get a brand new stadium. So I wonder who it's going to be next week. Uh, Nathan, thanks very much as always. Uh, and you for listening. Thanks very much.